there are some myths about clean beauty that we approach differently. And I feel very, very, very confident that we're doing it in a way that I can stand behind, you know, as a survivor, but also as, as, as a person who, who feels really strongly about personal integrity and company integrity. Welcome to the Glam and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Takara Suet, head of partnerships at Wavebreak. On this show, we talk with leaders of beauty, fashion, and lifestyle brands. We dive into their stories, lessons learned, and perspectives on how the industry is ever evolving. Subscribe and join us each week as we glam and grow. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call. Joining me today on Glam and Grow is Jalay Bisharat, co-founder and CEO of Naked Poppy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I am really excited to talk to you as well. So before we dive into Naked Poppy, tell me a little bit about your background and your career prior. Well, my career um, is 30 years in tech marketing. I was the early, early days, ran, you know, VP of marketing at Amazon. I then became, ran marketing at OpenTable, Upwork, and Eventbrite. So what all of those brands had in common, though, is I got there when they were quite small, with the exception of Eventbrite. I just love taking ideas that I think matter and building them into brands that people know and love. Um, that's my career summary, you know, in 30 seconds. I would say if the question is what brought me to this entrepreneurial journey, I'd actually go back a lot further to my childhood. Would you like to? Would yeah, you like let, to- let's yeah. hear it. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> so, you know, I grew up in Iran at a day and age where a lot of girls were raised to be married. But my parents had a different view. And I remember distinctly, this is such an impression on me, Takara. My father used to say to me, they can take anything away from you, anything, you know, your home, your money, everything you have, except what's in your mind. And I love course, that. Isn't that empowering? And of course- What an amazing know, parents. <laughs> That's amazing. amazing. I know. And I thank them to this day because, you know, I took that metaphorically or figured, you know, I thought, well, you know, I, I did. I did well in school. I really wanted to get a good education. I actually came to the United States for college because of it. But the part that I did not expect was we actually did lose everything. Who thought that my father, my parents' advice was, you know, gonna gonna come to pass? So the Iranian revolution occurs. I'm 29 years old. You know, the Islamic Republic, uh, you know, gets put in place. We're not even Muslim. You know, we were scared. Uh, my family fled and literally lost everything. I'm a senior in college. I don't even know if I have tuition money. You know, and I had to take a deep breath and remember that what was in my mind was what mattered figured out a way to get financial aid and a job and so on and got through. But really, that left such an impression on me. Like, we did lose everything, but I was able to pick myself up. And every time I have a tough problem, I just say, use what's in your mind. <laughs> you know, don't be afraid. You can do this. I, so I love that. Yeah. 
honestly, I had a second life experience that brought me to Naked Poppy, um, which is a clean beauty company. I know we'll talk about that in a second, which is that, and I will share this because I think so many of your listeners have got to be women. So, you know, this is over 10 years ago now. I get a clear mammogram in August. You know, it's December. So just four months later, I step in the shower. Really, I am living proof. You've got to do your self-check. I step in the shower. I feel that lump that nobody ever wants to feel. Oh, gosh. I get it checked out right away. And I get that call nobody ever wants to get. And it was breast cancer. And there I was. I was like, I was like, why me? Like I, you know, felt like I'd been eating well and exercising and, and, you know, getting my sleep and so on and so forth. And I can't say, I mean, of course, I learned a bunch of lessons I would never wish on anyone, but it was a year, my my healing year, I learned a lot about managing stress. And that was also when I started to think about what I put on my body at, in, in addition to what I eat. You know what I mean? And yeah, absolutely. You know, I, you know, environmental toxins are real. There is a difference between breathing, you know, air in a city and air in the country between, you know, endocrine disruptors on my face or not. And so that's why Naked Poppy really is such a personal passion project for me, because it's born of my own experience. Yeah. And you've had a lot of experiences. First off, before we dive into anything else, are you okay now? I 100% fine. This was over 10 years ago, fully recovered. Amazing. Um, yeah. So you were quite a resilient woman. Well, you know, sometimes tough lessons in life force you to become resilient. And so I'm grateful for those. Between the two lessons I just described of losing everything when I was so young and then, you know, recovering from breast cancer, you know, at a later age, they bring up a lot of times the best in you. And so I don't regret either of those experiences. I know that sounds strange. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And and going back to your experience when you were young, how do you think that experience really propelled your career and, you know, really um, believing in yourself that your mind is the most powerful part of you? I think in two ways. The first is this idea of being a perpetual student, of always learning like every single day. You know, <laughs> I mean, my career is now, you know, over... 40 years. And, you know, I'm sitting there like learning the TikTok algorithm. Which <laughs> we all still are. <laughs> Not saying I'm successful, but you would think it <laughs> by this stage, you know, like you'd move beyond. But I do think that knowing that your your brain can always get bigger and smarter, I think, you know, that that has that has actually been an important byproduct of that. And and you can, you know what, you can just be more helpful if you stay current. But the second, you know, probably the bigger conclusion of that is everything is in perspective and it allows me to slow down and say, let me just think this through. And I will tell you, if you've lost everything and your family's lost everything, like you could be having a bad day. And then you think to yourself, this is nothing compared to what I've been through. I can handle this. You know what I mean? We oh, can absolutely. Yeah. Tomorrow's a new day. We're going to be fine. Yeah, it's amazing. As you get older, you really realize that the learning never ends. I think when you're young, you think, oh, like at this stage of my life, you know, whatever milestone, like I'll have it all together. And then every year 
you hopefully improve something or or learn something monumental in your life. So coming from such huge organizations as Amazon, OpenTable, like incredible organizations, what were some of your biggest learnings that you've brought with you into this entrepreneurial journey from, you know, a marketing standpoint, maybe an operational standpoint? That is a great question. So many. So I will share two or three that come to mind. The first is that customer obsession. And this I really learned at the foot of the master at at Amazon because I was there in the early days. So when you say big companies, as I said earlier, I got to, 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 you know, most of them when they were small. Um, if you are absolutely always thinking about the customer, able to finish their sentences, understand their DNA inside and out, you know, in every meeting, the question is, how would the customer feel? What would the customer say? Not what's, what's best for our margins, but how will the customer react? How are we serving the customer in a way that's deeply unique? You know, how are we serving the customer in a way that would make them cry if we weren't there? <laughs> are we building a love brand? That, yeah. that mentality, I think, is number one. A couple of other learnings that I do think have been really important is that, truthfully, 20% of the effort does get 80% of the result. You know how, like, you work, work, work. If you think back over the last year, how much of the, how many of the things you did really moves a needle? There's a lot that didn't. Mm-hmm. The best of us, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And just a few swings can make all the difference. And so, and of course, if we could all predict those swings in advance, we'd be, you know, all geniuses. But the way I try and predict the swings is I say to myself, what is the single most important thing we can do to move the needle over the next six months? And then I kind of just keep bringing it forward. And then what's the single most important thing I can do today, <laughs> you know, in the next month, the next week? And, the, and it flips your work schedule on its head because it's very easy to be reactive when you sit down to start your workday and to say, well, you know, I've got all these emails, I've got all these people who are asking me questions. But if you flip it on its head and say, what is the single? And it's usually, because it's usually something you have to push uphill if it's going to move the needle. So that has been a, you know, a really big learning. And I, I guess I would say the third one is that your team is everything. You know, you want a team that you want to hire people that are better than you. You want them to know that you believe they're better than you. You want to make frequent use of the two most empowering words in the English language, which is you decide. I mean, here's my thought, but you decide. And you want to be sure that you framed up what you're doing in a way that each and every person understands how their work matters, how the how what we're doing matters, and then how they matter. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I think those are really incredible points. Although I feel like in the last two years, particularly post-COVID, from so many brands that I speak to, I hear their biggest pain point really is on the hiring side. So I'm curious if that's something that's been a challenge for you, or do you have such a network at this point over the course of decades that you sort of have a core team? It's a little bit more of the latter. It is one of the benefits of starting a company when you're older, which is that you've had people that you've worked with before. So in our case, that's been very helpful. Like we haven't, I I wouldn't consider hiring a huge struggle right now or in the past. Um, 
you know, and then good people also bring each other. And if they love what they do, it's clear the friends that they pull. So um, the other thing is, you know, I think we are moving to a world, and this is an evolution, where, and I've always believed this, so I'm so happy to see it. But like, you're at work, whether it's, you know, seven, eight, nine, however many hours a day, you better be loving your job. Like, that's that's a lot of time, waking hours that you're spending working. And so to me, the best cultures, really what I aspire to and what I think people should aspire to is a culture in which people, like, to me, the greatest compliment is if a team member says, doesn't even feel like work. Or like, I woke up on Monday and I was as excited as I was when I woke up on Saturday because I so love what I do and believe in what I do and enjoy the team and enjoy the work. Yeah, that's wonderful. And that's amazing that you're building that culture. We'll definitely touch on that a little bit later when we dive into Naked Poppy. Um, I just want to ask about one, touch on one thing you mentioned uh, previously about really listening to your customers. And and I'm sorry, I, I forgive me if I don't quote it perfectly, but you said, you know, they'd really miss you if you were gone, so to speak. So coming from an organization as big as, let's say, an Amazon, how were you really, were you like responsible? I don't know this maybe more granular than just reading reviews or how will you really understanding that customer feedback beyond speaking to your customers? Yeah. Well, it, I mean, Amazon set a standard, you know, um, by the way, I was there over 20 years ago, like super early days in comparison to where, where they are now. So I can answer that question. I can understand, you know, I can pull forward. Um, so I think reading reviews were important. But I think there is no substitute for one-on-one conversations. We actually do them all the time. Back in the day at Amazon, we used to have user research twice a week after, like after hours, like at five to seven, we'd bring people in. The research team would be like interviewing them and you could sit in as much as you wanted. And I really enjoyed that because you can have all the stats in the world. And of course, they're important. But often it's that one person who articulates it especially well that kind of permeates the culture. And you remember that when you make decisions. You know, with Naked Poppy, we do plenty of, of course, we read all the reviews. I mean, we're a smaller company, so it's not hard. But um, we have lots of conversations with customers. I will admit to you. <laughs> um, and when I say admit, because, you know, I think to an investor or whatever, it doesn't sound like scaling, but. I do take customer service emails all the time. I love talking to our customers. I love, I love that. And nothing substitutes for that. So, um, and then of course, you know, we we do studies. I mean, we do. And actually to your point about, you know, the whole idea of how would you feel if, if the company went away? It is actually one of the questions we ask when we survey our customers. How would you feel if Naked Poppy, you know, were no longer there to serve you? Very disappointed, somewhat disappointed, not disappointed. If you think about it, most of the brands you use, like, or the products you use, like, you know, I don't care if my mug company goes away or my eyeglasses go, you know, most of the stuff I use, I don't care. But there are some brands that are just love brands. Like if Apple went away, you know, there would be rioting in the streets. <laughs> That's <laughs> for sure. Brand. You know, for sure. You know, Dell computer went away, you know, I don't even live. You know, they live. <laughs> We would love. So I actually think that's an incredibly good litmus test for do you have a good brand? If people would be disappointed if you went away. 
I think that is such a powerful point and honestly, something nobody else has said. So I think that is very interesting. So let's fast forward to 2019. Naked Poppy is born. Um, I'm curious how long the development process was. Was this something you had the idea, you know, a few months prior and you hit the ground running because you had such great maybe infrastructure set in place? Or when did you come up with this idea? Yeah, no, um, it um, so it was the fall of 2017. Okay, so here's what happened in a nutshell. Maybe it was summer of 2017, actually, where I started. So, so here I am, you know, breast cancer survivor. I'm buying my beauty products at the health food store. Trust me, it was not the way you want to buy beauty products. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not fun to shop that way, but I was crunchy granola due to my experience. Yeah. And I'm not even sure the products like looked that great, but I started to notice that formulations were getting better and better. And you know where I'm going with this. Like clean beauty is no longer a compromise. But back then, so this is 2017, you know, five years ago. So I actually got a table at the farmer's market and sat there with a, and did a little blind test (laughs) with a clean mascara logo wiped off and, you know, traditional and just had people try it to see if I, you know, was right. Um, And long story short, did a bunch of blind tests and realized actually formulations were totally had come into their own. And there was an opportunity here to mix what I thought was a great business idea with something I profoundly, deeply care about personally. But the second piece, and this is this was the hard part. So now we start moving into fall. Realize two things really quickly. The first is it's truly impossible to figure out what's clean versus what's marketed as clean. Consumers cannot read labels, nor should they be expected to. You need a master's in chemistry to, to read, you know, <laughs> totally. 100, you know, plus chemicals, ingredients, and personal care. Some of them look bad and they're innocent and others seem fine and they're actually not good. So that was number one, you know, in people like, by the way, I interviewed tons of people, you know, the number one reason, even when, because back then clean was not as, as well known as it is now, the number one word that would come up is it's just overwhelming. You know, I don't know which brands, I don't know where to start. But the sense of overwhelm also applied to beauty shopping in general. And that, that was the really big one. And that will come to, to why we built the technology we did. So I experienced it to this day. If I walk into a you know large beauty store or even to a website where 95% of the products have nothing to do with me, it's just overwhelming. How do I find what I want? How do I find the shade of pink that's good with my cool under? You know, I'm just overwhelmed with stuff that's, and with a brand explosion that's going on now, it's even getting more overwhelming. So that's where the technology idea solution came up, which is what if we could figure out a way where people could actually buy makeup and skincare, but especially makeup is hard to do, color cosmetics online. What if we could, you know, actually recommend great products for her? So take the overwhelm out in two ways. One, we guarantee it's clean because we have a scientist vet everything. And number two, we take every product we offer and we offer mostly products from other clean brands. We have a few of our own, but they're mostly other clean brands and rearrange the whole store so she can see what rates best for her, what rates second best, what rates third best. 
and shop in an organized fashion where she can just get everything she needs in 10 minutes. We target the time-starved woman, you know, who doesn't see it as entertaining to wander the aisles of a beauty store, who, who just wants fabulous products, but quickly. I'm sure there's a lot of women that fall or people that fall in that in that category. So let's talk about the patented beauty assessment. It's only three minutes. I, I did take it myself and it looks at over 50 personal characteristics specific to you. So this is this is the entire model really of how you recommend um, products to customers. So talk to me about the development process of the quiz, maybe how accurate it is and what percentage of customers take the quiz. And is this the biggest way you yes. acquire customers? The short answer is yes, it is. Um, so the development of it. Here's how, so for the last four years, <laughs> you know, the core of our company, you know, our data, basically we have data scientists and product development people sitting with makeup artists. I'm going to do makeup again because color is more difficult. We've duplicated the same thing on the skincare side, but let, let me stick with color just to keep it simple. So if you think about it, a very good makeup artist, there's a reason that person looks at you and says, ah, let me pull this shade of lipstick for you. You know, let me put this foundation on you and that blush and et cetera, and that eyeshadow. They have a set of rules in their head that they're applying, although it's become such second nature, it's hard to articulate it, right? But we sat with them for hours and hours and hours and hours and said, well, why would you give this to her and not her? What if she's over 50? What if her eyelids are oily? You know what I mean? And started to really mind the way they think. And essentially what we've built is a an expert system, if you want to call it that, that ingests a lot of information about you. And then every product in our store is scored along all those characteristics. Good for oily eyelids, bad for oily eyelids. You know, you have very strong contrast between your skin, hair, and eyes. So would this lip color look better or would that lip color look better? Um, it's this really complicated system, but to you, it's very simple <laughs> because what spits out the other end is every single product in our store is rated just for you. To your question of how many people take the assessment, the vast majority do. We don't force you to take the assessment. It was actually a real debate. But we decided if somebody just wants to come and get a naked poppy eyeliner, why would we not give the customer what they want? So some some just shop directly because they've read a good review of a product or something. But the vast majority take the assessment. And when you ask how accurate it is, it's getting more and more and more accurate over time. And every time we have a step function in like an insight about color, and I can give you examples of that in a minute if you care, um, you know, the conversion rate goes up <laughs> because people can tell when they see their results and they're what they want. And our, we do take free returns because if we stand behind something, you know, we're going to recommend something, we're going to stand behind it. And our return rate is pretty darn low. Yeah, that's great. I love that you don't force customers to take the quiz. Um, I feel like especially in the food category of like food delivery services, you have to take the quiz. And I personally hate that. So I love that you're giving people a choice because sometimes, you know, maybe they don't want to spend three minutes answering. Although I thought the quiz was very insightful and helpful. 
Here's a fun fact. Over 81% of consumers are opted into text messages from their favorite brands. They're finding out first about limited time offers, new products, and they're having two-way conversations, all via text messaging. And that, my friends, is where Attentive comes in. Attentive is a personalized text messaging platform that lets you grow your SMS subscriber list, interact with customers in real time, and unlock a new source of revenue. With tons of best practices built in, Attentive makes sure your audience stays engaged too. Thousands of innovative brands like CB2, Pura Vida, and Coach have created magical customer experiences and driven millions in online revenue using Attentive-powered text messages. Meet your secret weapon to cut through the clutter, grow brand love, and drive more sales. Relevant, engaging, mobile first. That's Attentive. See what they can do for you at attentivemobile.com slash wavebreak. Attentive, drive sales with text message marketing. Let's dive deeper into the topic of clean beauty. I know this is something you're really passionate about. So is clean beauty real or is it just a marketing claim in some cases? So I'm glad you asked that question because there is a lot of conversation about is clean beauty a fad? Is it real? Is it, you know, fear mongering? Is it a marketing claim? So let me say this. It can be a marketing claim. And that's, <laughs> you know, I think the quote backlash against clean beauty is not because people want less healthful products. It's because they don't appreciate misleading marketing claims. Those are two separate things. So there are some myths about clean beauty that we approach differently. And I feel very, very, very confident that we're doing it in a way that I can stand behind, you know, as a survivor, but also as, as, as a person who, who feels really strongly about personal integrity and company integrity. And I'll tell you what they are if you're interested. There's, there's just a couple. Yeah, sure. But the first is, I think there's this thought that clean beauty is a bunch of things you ban. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we don't have parabens. We don't have phthalates. We don't have, you know, you know, cyclical silicones or whatever it is. And if that list is long, then you're clean. The problem is with over 12,000 ingredients available for use in personal care, you could ban even a thousand of them and you'd still have 11,000 other chemicals that a formulator can use. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not what's not in your products that matters. It's what's in your products that matter. <laughs> it's a so, great point. But I mean, isn't that what marketing is? <laughs> it's a way well, of... Telling people, you know, in some cases, like what to think or what to feel. So that sort of makes yeah. sense. Well, that's a great point. I guess I would have two responses to that and then I'll, we'll go back to clean. The first is that, you know, we have to give credit to our customers that they're smart. And I do think people smell a rat when they feel like, I can't tell if this is an empty marketing claim, you know, like. I don't know, when I see no parabens, no phthalates, I'm like, but what's in it? <laughs> so, so, so that's first of all. And even if they don't, I would like to be the kind of brand that still does the right thing for them and does it correctly. Like if, if our brand promises that the products we offer are clean, we're going to do what we did, which was we put our money where our mouth is and hired a scientist to vet what's in the products. And honestly, Takara, we have some products from some clean brands that she won't let us put on the shelf. 
And it's kind of sometimes annoying um, because like we want to, but, you know, I can sleep at night knowing she's vetted everything. Yeah. So it's, it's funny yeah. that you just mentioned that. Cause that was kind of a good segue into my, my next question. And I want to touch on that. I think consumers are getting so much smarter and they're becoming so much more aware of how to educate themselves. Like even myself included, I mean, especially 10 years ago, I mean, I wouldn't even have known what clean beauty was. It was not really something anybody was talking about. And now that I think a lot of women realize, you know, your skin is the biggest organ. You're ingesting all of these products every day, how this is something really important to be mindful of. So I'm curious, we definitely don't have to name any brands, but I, I am not familiar with, I would say at least half the brands that are on, on Naked Poppy. So I'm curious if you have rejected, for lack of a better word, these like bigger brands that maybe you really believe to be clean, like you touched on, and then upon inspection. The answer is yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. There are brands that we had intended to go after or, you know, or had expressed interest. And I was so excited. And then Marissa said, I don't even know how they managed to get clean at, you know, blank retailer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Here was the ingredient we would never allow. <laughs> and it's like on a lot of no, you know what I mean? So, And how are they doing that? I think that's where like as a consumer, you feel like you've done such a good job of educating yourself, i.e. being like, oh, it's clean at blank. And then you're still wrong potentially. So it's it's frustrating for for consumers. It's very frustrating for consumers. And I don't know why more companies don't have a proactive vetting process. And you know, so that vetting process, like, because that, that probably is your big, biggest marketing initiative, I would imagine. How are you communicating that to your customers, potential customers, like how strict um, your vetting process is as compared to other retailers or marketplaces? Yeah. Well, we ju- in just the way that I communicated it to you, meaning we explain and we have on our about page photos. We actually have three science, science people, all of whom are amazing. Um, although one does the primary vetting and the other two act as advisors, one of them in the environmental space, because the other issue is that I think, and I'm Takara, tell me if you disagree, but I imagine you agree, you know, the health of our environment is our health, ultimately, right? And so Marissa, our scientist, has started looking at products from an environmental perspective also, you know, if it's yeah, not- I think that's great. Yeah, but you're going to wash it down the drain and it's going to, you know, do bad things in the water supply. We're going to, we're not going to carry it. Um, And we're going to tell our brand partners why, you know, wanting to take baby steps forward. I will tell you, since you are a marketing person and, you know, marketing is an aspect of this podcast, one of the hardest tactics to resist is encouraging people to shop out of fear, meaning, I know that it would be much easier to get people to convert if we said, these are, endo- you know, you want to avoid endocrine disruptors. You don't want to get cancer, this, that, and the other. They would convert better. But we decided early on that beauty products are about joy and joy needs to be the center of our brand. And so, therefore, um, we market the clean aspect of it, but the color matching, we probably market more aggressively. And the fundamental reason behind that is, you know, partly a brand decision, but also partly because the hope is that someday everything will be clean. So the enduring differentiation 
of the reason you come to Naked Poppy, other than we think we're customer obsessed and have really good customer service, and we believe we do, um, is because we have your beauty profile. And if something changes, we can change with you. If your hair, you know, if you decide to take your hair gray, we can rerun your recommendations for you. If you got a tan, we can rerun them for you. You know, just assume everything is clean, but now let's help you over a lifetime with beautiful, or, or actually a better example, we're about to bring on a major new brand. How great is it to log in and say from this, you know, major new brand, here are all your matches. Yeah, it certainly makes one's life much easier, especially if it's not something they're, you know, really familiar with, or, you know, you're not a professional makeup artist. It's really challenging. Oh, it's really challenging. By the way, even professional makeup artists, it's interesting. There's a reason that the way humans reason and computers together do a better job. The professional makeup artist cannot remember 800 moving into thousands of products. So like when you give all your, you know, your, your characteristics, including let's say you're allergic to coconut oil, (laughs) which if you are, even if that's a clean ingredient, it's not clean for you. For her to even like remember, oh, well, this particular product has coconut oil in it. That's actually why machine, like a machine in conjunction with that reasoning will do better because we'll go through and mark everything with coconut oil. We'll remember that your eyelids are oily, that you only want vegan, you know, whatever it is, you know, it never forgets. Or if you, let's say you returned a shade. And you said, well, it's a shade too late. And we like, whoops, we're going to make this right. We take you up a shade. Oh, I love it. Now we update. What has been the most challenging part of building the business or maybe the most surprising? I'll give you a long-term and a short-term challenge. The long-term challenge is that no one yet, <laughs> you know, until, you know, we made this effort, I think that I'm aware of, has successfully sold color cosmetics only online. You know, replenishment is one thing, but it's rare to just go to a website and say, oh, I'll just try this new, you know, foundation. And the only place they sell is online. And and we kept to online for two reasons. I'm not saying we'll never do anything different, but, um, well, the first is just we started online, then COVID hit. But being online has forced us to get really good at color and color, you know, being able to sell online. And, you know, it just forced to focus, like, we have to figure this out because they're not staying in a store. But that is challenge number one, right? Like, cracking this crazy nut. Like, how audacious. People don't (laughs) buy, you know, new products online. Yeah, I'm sure that was super challenging. Yeah. The short-term challenge, I'm just being honest with you, with inflation and a perception of potential recession, And consumers, you know, sort of after food and gas, you know, a lot of people like not being sure they want to spend. We've seen a lot of discounting in the last a couple of months that we've never seen before. And, um, you know, in business, especially like the innovation is coming from newer brands, right? In beauty, you know, a lot of them are small and we're still, you know, we're not exactly, you know, (laughs) ourselves. So We're small too. And so that has been a short-term challenge. And the way we've handled it is we've really asked ourselves the question, how can we deliver value in another way? We don't want to be part of the race to the bottom of, you know, ours is a greater discount. Yours, you know, 
So um, we've worked really hard to have really good gifts with purchase and, you know, other things we can do for people to feel like they're getting good value without just cutting price. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really great point touching on inflation. And I think it's great that you're really, I think we're sort of in the beginning stages of it, but the fact that you're really thinking ahead of you know, how potentially you can navigate it. Although I will say, I think I've even spoken about this with friends. I feel like we'll forfeit maybe different aspects of our lifestyles, but not beauty and skincare or hair (laughs) or hair care. I feel like that's just a non-negotiable. I feel like probably maybe the shopping for clothes would maybe go first, but I feel like for beauty, I feel like for most women, it's or, or people, but most women primarily it's, it's their top priority. Actually, I I just think that's really worth pausing on because I couldn't agree with you more, which is why I think it's a little too knee jerk for so I don't know if you've noticed how much discounting is going on. I have. I have. And And, I think it's a great point that you're bringing up. And it's unnecessary, in my view. And I don't think we should panic. Yeah, I mean, I would rather I would rather starve than forfeit my beauty (laughs) regime. Like I'm not I'm not giving it up. So (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting time. Um, and and to that effect, you have your own brand, Naked Poppy, with your own product. So was that something you launched with, or was that something that you launched? We launched after? with no, we launched with our eyeliner, our clean liquid liner, which I'm happy to send you if you want or any of it. Um, thank you. The reason for that was strictly personal. So I grew up in Iran, <laughs> you know, with in the Middle East, eyeliner is a big thing. I just couldn't find a clean eyeliner that worked for me that I, you know, that met my standard. Let me just put it that way. And I, so we just, you know, had to have one. Um, and it's done really well for us. And since then, that's exactly how we've done it. We have very carefully curated, you know, when we launch our own products, there has to be a real need. So we don't have, I think we have uh, six SKUs right now out of the close to 800 that we offer. but they play an important role. You know, when, when we, when we decide we need something, it's because we need it. And we really, really feel proud of the offering we've, the offerings we put out in the market. They're all super thoughtful, super high quality. That liquid liner comes from Italy. You know, we had a panel of testers test it, even help us choose the brush. And by the time we shipped it, we were really confident. It's a great product. Yeah. All the ones we shipped. So would you say that's sort of your your hero product, I would imagine? Actually, it's tied between that and our facial oil, which and that was a serendipitous product that came out during COVID when women were just seeking sort of affordable luxuries in terms of skincare. Um, we make it locally in a very small batch, very small batches, actually. We keep re- replenishing because it does really well. So that also, and it's it's sustainable ingredients. We know all the farms they come from and everything. Um, so I'd say those two are probably tied. Yeah, I love face oils. I feel like they've really taken off in the last maybe two years. And they that's actually become my favorite product, my favorite skincare product, hands down. So I'm it's, not surprised to hear that. You know, it's funny. I was raised in an era where like you always wanted water-based. You were told that oils make your skin oily. The you know, that could not be further from the truth. Yeah. Actually, I feel like you look like you had a facial after you use face face oil. So I just love it. Well, and you know, if you have oily skin, that means your skin is an overdrive trying to produce oil. 
actually replenishing your skin barrier with a with a high quality oil helps you. Yeah. It's the opposite of what you'd think. Yeah. I'm glad you like that. Those yeah. Love it. Let's touch on marketing briefly. Um, I'm just curious, you know, being, would you call it a, a marketplace? I actually meant to ask that earlier. Like, how would you, how would you describe it being a retailer? Is it more of a retailer? Yes. I would say Naked Poppy is a smart retailer. A smart place to me. Ooh, I love implies, that. Implies lack of curation. You know what I mean? Okay. And I totally that. take that back. Yeah. A, yeah. a smart retailer. I think that's a wonderful way to describe it. Um, so from a marketing perspective, especially because you do carry so many other brands and SKUs, like you mentioned, which marketing channel is the most effective? Do your partners really help from a marketing standpoint? Um, or is it social or or what does that look like? The partners help only in as much as they have great products that we're proud to promote. Because we are brand agnostic, meaning we're just going to recommend what's best for each customer, they actually cannot, we're very different from other retailers in that way. They can't pay us to be featured. We don't, so the great- Wow, that's a great point. Poppy is, you don't have to, all you have to do is take our order. We're going to, you know, factor you into the algorithm and if it does well, it's going to, you know, take off. So I would say our two biggest channels, honestly, are email. I know that's near and dear your heart. Yes. Um, <laughs> so we have this vibrant community and, you know, they love hearing the latest and greatest and word of mouth. Yeah, that makes sense. It's It seems more organic. It's quite organic. And of course, you know, when we get mentioned in the media or even on podcasts like this, a lot of times people get hear about it and then they there's innovation there. So they, they come to Naked Poppy and try it. Yeah, that's wonderful. What advice, uh, beauty or non-beauty related, would you give your younger self? And is there anything you'd go back and maybe do differently? Oh, what a great question that is. Beauty or non-beauty related, meaning also. So I'll tell you, this is, I actually have never said this (laughs) outside of my you know, on a, certainly on a podcast. Before. Are you sure you want to say it? <laughs> now I would need no, to hear I'll, it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'll tell you what it is, okay. is, you know, in the world of beauty, it's really easy to want to be like, ah, oh, I'm a beauty founder. I need to look beautiful. I need to do whatever it takes. I need to get that Botox, get that filler, you know, do whatever it takes to look younger. And it's hard not to think about those things because of the industry I'm in. I will say, I do think that everyone should decide for herself. There is absolutely no judgment on what someone else should do. But the beauty industry does benefit from a lifetime of you needing to make, go back for your Botox appointment, you know. Oh my gosh, that is such a great point. You know what I mean? Starting, yeah. you know, younger and younger and younger because God forbid. I know that kid. scares me. I, I saw yeah. something on, I don't have TikTok. I'm trying to avoid it, but I know I'm going to have to cave at some point. But seeing how like a lot of girls in their early 20s are now getting Botox. And I'm like, I didn't even know what that was in my early 20s. So it's definitely alarming. So I think that's a really great yeah. point. Yeah. And so what I would say is the way I see it is this. You can make a decision that that's important and you're going to do those things. I made a decision, you know, that I have revisited, but I've never changed it, (laughs) that I'm going to be okay with looking my age. Like it gives me a lot of freedom and saved me a lot of money, but mostly freedom to not be like, okay, I need that appointment. 
you know? Yeah. And I, I think at the end of the day, like the most beautiful thing about someone for sure is their confidence and their security within themselves. So, you know, someone could be trying to do all these things in their fifties and sixties and it actually is not a good, a good look ultimately. So I think aging gracefully and being happy with yourself really is well, the goal. I'm going to try to practice what I preach. So yeah. it's hard, but you know, I think it's something, I think well, it's something really graceful and beautiful. And if you think about it, this quote, you know, fighting your age is actually an exhausting thought. Like nobody, not a single person on this planet Earth is younger tomorrow than they are today. So, you know, I did grow up in a culture that where age actually is much more respected than it is in the United States, like in, in the Middle East. And it is, in fact, true. I pulled a bunch of friends, all of them over 40. Everyone feels more confident, more free cares a lot less what other people think, you know, and, you know, like I love makeup. I love beauty products, obviously, but I, you know, there's a difference between wearing your makeup from a place of joy than a place of like, ah, I gotta look younger. Absolutely. Or, or like somebody else entirely. I think that's also something that's been a trend, you know, makeup has become this entire way to change who you are. And it's like, mm -hmm. I think it should just be to enhance your beauty as opposed to change you. And 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 make you feel more confident and happier and more put together in the way that you want to be. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I could not agree more. And I think that's a thank you for sharing that. Well, I think it's an important topic to discuss, actually, because I have spoken to people who've said, well, I get my Botox because I think I'm more likely to get hired. And I <laughs> I think that's sad. You know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's uh, I I'm shocked to hear that. But honestly, I, I guess I could see that making sense. Yeah. Or and, and even if that's just the perception of it, it's not a great way to feel in my mind. And so I do think I, I'm saying it out loud. You know, I'm OK with ha looking my age. Yeah, in I think fact, I'm, I'm I think it, there's a lot more important things in this world than how I look. <laughs> You know, it, it back to keeping things in perspective. It's much more important to leave the world a more beautiful place, to bring beauty into people's lives. You know, not to sound trite, but to, to think about how can I be a beautiful person? That, like, do you ever look at someone and say, "Are they beautiful?" Or do you look at them and say, "Do I like them?" And do they make me feel, you know, like they're doing something in this world? Yeah. I mean, I think that's such a great point. I think I, I'm from New York. So I think growing up in New York, most people are beautiful. So that's not really, I feel like that was almost like a prerequisite in New York. So I feel like my mind defaulted to, do I like them? You know, but yeah. um, I feel like social media has just, uh, I don't, it, it's just um, sort of pivoted everyone's focus to, you know, this fake reality, which most of these people, even on Instagram, that's not even what they look like, you know? Exactly. And so it's just, it's really sad that that's what's become like aspirational and and what's celebrated. So I'm hoping it's gone in such an extreme direction that the, it will heavily cracked in the next I, few years. Also, what are the long-term effects of doing all of these, you know, procedures, whether they're actual pr plastic surgery or just, you know, some medi spa type, you know, procedures, but um, it'll be really interesting to see what the long-term effects of them are at such a young age, because 
we haven't seen them ever. This is this yeah. is something new. So that's what scares me, actually, to be honest. <laughs> it, yeah. I think it's I think people are playing with fire a little bit. So I think uh, brands that celebrate natural beauty and, you know, just enhancing who you are, I think they're going to win long term. I think that's a great point too. About I haven't even thought about that, but like you can, can use that in your next stuff, email. <laughs> well, can this stuff go awry? You know, can it yeah. backfire? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you have one botched, you know, lip injection or something like that, and it's it's really difficult to correct. So, yeah, it's something. It's something I really, I really hope changes. So I think that's such a a great point. Um, what's next for you and Naked Poppy? Oh, I love this question. What a wonderful question. Well, we are, <laughs> we have some key product announcements coming. It's a little too early for me to share what they are, but I'm really excited about them. We are actually, we have, you know, I talked earlier about how every time we have a big insight into our algorithm, it just takes it to the next level. So we are, we've gotten really good now at taking you gray. And also we originally were much better with, turns out that with darker skin tones, the roles are completely different. So we've deeply understood that now and are, you know, much more inclusive in our ability to optimize, which I'm really excited about. And honestly, Takara, I think someday we're all going to look back and say, how do we shop any other way? How on earth did we think we would go to a beauty site with thousands or tens of thousands of products and wait through it on our own? Yeah. I mean, it's, it really has become very overwhelming. So I definitely think, um, you're definitely at the right place at the right time because a couple of years back, it was very manageable. And now it's, it's like, where do I start? Exactly. Yeah. I think that's such a great point. Well, thank you so much for joining me today in this conversation. For anyone who wants to find out more information on yourself and Naked Poppy, where can I direct them? Nakedpoppy.com. We're also on TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe to all future episodes. For show notes and resources mentioned, go to glamandgrow.co. This show is produced by Wavebreak. If you're an e-commerce marketing leader who wants to take your email and CRM program to the next level, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call.